Um, she is going to teach for us today, and I'm super excited about that. So this is Brittany, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to just hand it on over to you. tell you all my uh, my plan. Ooh, watch out, see. Uh, people who know me know I'm kind of like a fast talker by nature. So I was like, well, and even more so when I get nervous, right? So I was like, I am not going to have coffee this morning, ladies. Like, I'm going to be like here and present. Um, but then I think I quickly realized like this could totally backfire. <laughs> so if you see like my eyes glaze over, you know, you might have to revive me with an emergency cup. I'm just kidding. Um, but like really, I'm super excited to be here with you today. Um, I mean, as Priscilla said, I work during the week, so I've never got to like experience the morning group. Um, but I was really excited when she asked me to write content for the Genesis study. And uh, even though it wasn't technically supposed to be a teaching, like unexpected things, like God just opened this door and I was like, okay, here I am, God. <laughs> um, you know, and I follow the podcast and just like love listening to all you, all, all, all you ladies are digging into. Um, so just happy to be here with you today to share my interpretation of these scriptures and how I think it can kind of relate to us today. Um, so let's open in prayer, if that's okay. Oh, Lord, you were just so good. I'm just, I was overwhelmed by that last song we sang, God, like, I am not going to die. I am going to live, and I'm going to live boldly for you, God. And just being up here in front of these ladies, Lord, I just see how you have orchestrated and allowed, you cleared my schedule, God, in order to be here. And I just give you all the praise for that. And Lord, I just pray that uh, through this, uh, what I've prepared, God, what you have uh, put in my heart, that uh, I may bring honor and glory to you. I pray for the hearts of these ladies, that they may just be open. Um, and I pray for those who are not able to make it, God. I just pray against all these sicknesses and schedules and all the things that just distract us, God, which is so much of what we're going to talk about today. Um, so I just, I give you the praise. I just pray for calm nerves, um, for a heart that's just tuned in to you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, so let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. And here we're introduced to one of the main characters of this book, um, and as you're opening your Bibles, if I were to ask you to name one or two of the most important people in history, like who would you tell me? Um, as Christians, we would say, you know, Jesus, right? That's an obvious answer. Um, but I wonder who else makes your list. Um, maybe it's someone who's, who's made a significant contribution to society. Um, or maybe it's someone who made a lasting impact in your life in one way or another. Um, but let me ask you this. What about Abraham the patriarch? Uh, would he have made your list up there with uh, Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr.? Um, isn't it arguable that he is on the list of most important people in human history? I think it's hard to overestimate his significance because think about this. Um, if you want to go to the next slide. Three major uh, world religions uh, which together account for about half, over half actually, of the world's population, they look to Abraham the patriarch, um, as, or Abraham as a key patriarch of their faith and founder of monotheism, um, which I just thought was incredible, like half the world, that just blew my mind. Um, and as we look back to Abraham as the, one of the fathers of our faith, it's amazing just to think of the importance his life has for us, even today, 
because the story of Abraham really is the story of the beginning of all of God's children. Uh, interestingly enough, in Galatians 3, verses 7 through 9, the Apostle Paul refers to Abraham as a spiritual father and we as descendants of Abraham. He says, Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, which I love. He's the man. <laughs> uh, moreover, Paul calls him the father of all believers in Romans 4.11. So he plays a pretty significant role in Christian faith. And I'd argue that knowing about him, about his history, it really is of great value to us as believers. And his story is a really good one. Like it's captivating with like lots of ups and downs and surprises on the, along the way. I love that it's not this story of like this perfect guy who would be the obvious choice for God to call as like the start of all his people, right? But that's what draws us in all the more, it's relatable. Um, now people usually start telling a story in Genesis 12, which we're gonna dig into. Um, but before that, be before that, I just wanna go back really quick to Genesis 11 to learn a little bit about Abraham's history and where he came from. Um, because after all, doesn't knowing the history of someone uh, tell us a little bit more about them? It helps us understand them a bit more. Um, for example, um, if I were to tell you that I'm from the Bay Area, uh, perhaps my, as some may know, uh, my tempered or some may say like aggressive driving techniques, uh, they might make a little bit more sense, right? Like, oh, she grew up in Bay Area traffic. It totally makes sense that she would drive that way. Um, that's probably a horrible example, but my point is like knowing the history of someone it helps us fill in some of the blanks um, So in chapter 11, we learn a little bit about Abraham um, his history and his upbringing um, And please know as I'm jumping in here You're gonna hear me refer to Abraham as both Abram and Abraham most of us know um, His name does change God changes it and this is intentional and I'll kind of go over that um, But the New Testament primarily does refer to him as Abraham so in any objective sense, I think from what you guys have studied up until now, it kind of seems like humanity's not off to like a great start, right? Um, and as a reader, like we might be looking at this text and going like, hey, like things aren't really going the way they should. Um, like what's going on? Like we know God created all things. He created us in his image to flourish, but then sin entered the world, messed everything up. Um, and then things were restarted with Noah, but that kind of went bad too. Um, and then they built this Tower of Babel for their own glory, and we're like, what is happening? Like, we know that God had better things in mind for us. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, Abraham was from Ur, which was southeast of Babel, but very much in line with those great defiant cities like Babel, you know, built for their own glory and gains. And most of these cities practiced idol worship. Um, every, every single indication in biblical resources tell us that Abram and his family worshipped many gods. They were polytheists. In fact, in Joshua 24, we learn that Terah, Abraham's father, served other gods besides Yahweh. And I think a, a child reared in that time, you know, in that climate, um, where it was, it was standard practice to take on the customs of your family, right? So we can really assume that Abram was very much in line with this. He took on the customs of his family, of the idol worship, of the polytheism. So that's where he's at when we're introduced to him in chapter 12. And I think it's just amazing that 
knowing this, we see God call this man with this past seemingly out of thin air and say like, I choose you, you're going to be mine, walk differently, be the father of all nations <laughs> and follow me, the one true God. And it's amazing because like I said, he's not, it's, he wasn't some perfect believer walking around seeking out the Lord. It wasn't a, let me choose you because of your ways, Abram, because you're such a stand-up guy. Like, it was a, let me choose you in spite of your ways, Abram, and I am going to do a great thing. Um, you know, God is obviously way wiser than us, not to mention omniscient. So he obviously knew Abram would be the right choice for the job. Um, but I think from any mortal sense, um, it might have seemed a bit odd. But even with all this past, all this baggage, like, he calls and Abram obeys. So when we enter chapter 12, Abram's 75 years old. He doesn't have a lot to his name. He's been a nomad for a while. Um, and I think there's just this wild irony about how the text sets everything up. Um, I don't know if any of you know this, but the name Abram in Hebrew literally means father, right? Like this man is 75 years old. He got no kids to his name yet, and he's called father, um, <laughs> which, I, yeah, I thought that was just super crazy. Think about the weight like that carried, especially because in biblical times, like names meant something. They were of great significance. Uh, later in the text, we see God change his name to Abraham, which means father of many, like all the nations, many, right? Um, and so there's just this beautiful foreshadowing and intentionality that God has in showing like, I, like, I am with Abraham, like he is my child and I'm, you know, and, and it shows that those he calls, he's very intentional with. Okay, so let's read the first nine verses of Genesis 12 to see how God sets this whole thing up in the initial calling of Abram. All right. All right. So the Lord has said to Abram, uh, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, so Abram left, and as the, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possession, possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moray at Shechem. Uh, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. Uh, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Uh, then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Negev, I don't know. Um, so here's the initial calling and blessing of Abram. Um, out of his seemingly comfortable life, out of his past, out of polytheism, and into this life of following God. Um, it's pretty amazing, and over the next few, cha few chapters, like a lot happens. So I want to recap those things, and then I want to look at how that initial calling um, relates uh, how that initial calling and then everything that happens relates to us today. Um, so we find out that after God calls him, Abram moves with his family um, to Bethel, but there's this huge famine across the land. 
Um, so they just, Abram decides to take his family and go down to Egypt, not what God asked him to do. Um, but he goes down to Egypt, and uh, something strange happens here. Before they get there, um, he tells his wife Sarai that because of her beauty, he feared that the Egyptians would kill her or kill him if they found out that they uh, if if they found out that she was his wife. Um, so he pretty much asks Sarai to lie and say that she is his sister only, which part, you know we know some of us know that it's partly true, but whole another thing they are married, um, you know, <laughs> right? Um, so then they get into Egypt, and that thing very much happens. So the Egyptians see her, um, and they end up taking her into the Pharaoh's house or harem, which is not a good thing. It just turns into this giant mess. You know, Pharaoh starts giving Abram all of these goods and riches and servants and animals uh, because of his brotherly relation to Sarai. But then God steps in, and he starts afflicting Pharaoh's house with all these plagues and illnesses. Um, which not technically the Egyptians' fault, right? Like, you're not really sure who to feel sorry for at this point. Um, <laughs> like, Abram, he kind of got himself into this mess um, by going, going against where God asked him to go. But even here, like, we see God is still faithful to him and, where, and that initial calling he had placed on Abram's life. Um, so Pharaoh's like, take everything, get out of here. Like, we, we, need this, we need this mighty God, like, off our backs. Um, so Abram takes everything he was given, and he bolts out of Egypt, and they settle back in the promised land. Um, now Lot, Abram's nephew, is with him, and he is rich because of everything Abram had given him. And together they just have a lot. Like they're climbing over each other, the herdsmen are at each other's throat, and things are just getting super crowded. Um, so they have this meeting, and Abram tells Lot, um, you know, this just isn't working out. Like, pick a side to settle on. We're going to go our separate ways. Um, so Lot picks the quote-unquote best side in the land of Jordan near Sodom and Gomorrah, and he goes and settles there. Um, and it kind of seems like Lot scored better in all this, right? Um, but what's funny is, like, right after this, uh, God leads Abram out um, to this, this spot, and he can see everything around him. And God says, like, you see everything around here? Like, even that place Lot is over there? Like, that's all going to be yours. It's all going to be given to, to you. And then he reiterates his blessing on Abram, that his descendants are going to be great in number. Um, oh, I lost great in number. Oh yeah, so then he it tells us that Abram moved near Hebron and built an altar to the Lord. So in chapter 14, uh, we see Lot in big time trouble, um, and we find out that there's this war happening between the kings of these great lands, um, and Lot just somehow gets kind of caught up in the middle of it. Um, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah are, are in this fight, and um, evidently they decide to flee at the end of the, you know, towards the end of the war, and they're like fleeing, and they end up falling in these like tar pits and dying, which is super crazy. Um, but the, the other kings decide to take Lot and his family, everything he has, they take him captive and they take off. Um, so Abram finds this out, so he takes about 300 of his trained men, um, and he's like, we're going to go take back what they've stolen from us. So it just like seemingly with ease, they go in, they rescue Lot and his family, um, and they bring them back to the promised land. So in the final verses of uh, chapter 14, you see this really cool moment with uh, Melchizedek and Abram. Abram. Uh, Melchizedek is a, he's a king and a priest from Jerusalem. And uh, there's this moment where he's blessing Abram, and then Abram gives him a tenth of everything that he owns, which we know is a lot, right? He has a lot at this point. 
Um, and commentary has a lot to say about Melchizedek. Um, and I encourage you to go read Hebrews chapter seven if you have some time. There's just so much there. But what I really love is that it's like this super beautiful God-honoring way to end this really intense thing that just took place. So that's a recap of 12 through 14. Um, and if you see anything from this, I hope that it's, it's after God's initial calling on Abram in the beginning of chapter 12. Like it kind of seems like everything's in jeopardy, right? It seems like Abram, like while obedient, he keeps getting in these situations um, that might mess everything up. Um, and God would totally have the right to like throw in the towel and say like, I'm gonna go choose someone more qualified, like this isn't working out. But what we actually see, the truth of it all, is that God is faithful to walking this journey with Abram, even when he stumbles. You know, he's faithful to his promises in spite of these choices and situations that seem like they mess everything up. Um, because once again, it's not about Abram and his stumbling, it's about God's unchanging character. Now, I just have to pause for a moment and think about that, because how much good news is that for us today? Like, how many of us have been like, heard God's calling, we've been walking down this road following him, but then we like see something off in the distance and we decide to like step off of it and, and we get sidetracked. Maybe we even start like trying to pave our own path. Like that's probably every single one of us in this room in one way or another, right? Like it's like, yes, like my heart has fallen for idols. Like, yes, I've tried to pursue worldly gain. Like, yes, I've acted in fear. Um, We've all had moments like that in our walk where we've heard God's calling and got pulled away, um, just like Abram and what happened in Egypt. But what we learned from Abram right off the bat is that God is faithful to that initial calling that he had on Abram, and he's faithful to us today. If, he, uh, if God called you, and I believe he did, he's going to keep redirecting you. He's going to keep bringing you back to him. That's just who he is. You know, are we going to mess up? Yes. Like, we're going to keep messing up. But is God going to be faithful to us? The Abraham story tells us exceedingly faithful. Um, and I think it's clear that despite his shortcomings, Abraham was a incredible, an incredible example of faith and obedience. Um, and that can kind of be a guide for us today as well. Um, from the start, he believed God's promises and acted. So as we keep moving through Genesis, you're going to continue see, to see Abraham say, like, yes, God, okay, God, here I am, God, and then in obedience, move. Um, you know, I love that Hebrews 11 outlines, like, <laughs> the star players in the Hall of Fame of faith. Um, and Abraham is listed in this as one who acted faithfully and was obedient to the Lord. So I want to read that really quick. It says... Uh, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Uh, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, who even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, I just love that, it's like he's only 75, um, <laughs> came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. P. 
People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call, be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Mm, I just love that. So what do we learn here? We learn that Abraham and Sarah are beautiful examples of listening to and obeying God. You know, no matter the circumstances, even if they didn't fully understand it, they kept their eyes on what was ahead, and they just kept taking, like, these small steps of faith with God. You know, God doesn't expect perfection from us ladies. Like, I think he knows better than that. Um, but what made Abraham righteous, and I think what can turn, like, our entire walk around, is the response of obedience. Um, so how is obedience playing out in your own life? Uh, something about faith requires a response from us, like a stepping out of where we're at now to what's next. Um, that's why faith is so often connected to obedience. Uh, maybe you think that Abraham's calling was far more important, maybe, you know, different in that way. Or maybe you feel like you haven't even heard God's calling at this point. But if you've accepted the good news of Jesus in your life, if you, if you uh, have accepted him as king of your heart, then you do have your calling on your life. The Bible says you were called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Um, and it continues from the time that you hear that initial calling uh, to when we're with him face to face. Um, it's a step-by-step -step journey, just like Abraham's to the promised land. I, major, I imagine Abraham as, he go, as he's going along saying like, God, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I, I don't know how this is all going to play out. But again and again, we see God say to him and to us, like, I know, just go. Um, so instead of getting hung up on our own plan, our own abilities or worth and how they might play into God's calling on us, um, think instead of how amazing and capable our God is and that everything in the Bible uh, tells us that he is faithful and that he does not make mistakes. Uh, my husband David and I were discussing Abraham's life uh, as I was preparing for this, and he said something that I just loved. He was like, if I live to be 75 and God decides I could still be used by him like Abraham, um, and then in that realization, knowing that my whole life he was walking with me and preparing me for that very moment for something bigger than myself, like, how awesome would that be? I just loved it because it's so true. At the beginning of chapter 12, when we see God calling Abram, immediately following the calling are these seven beautiful blessings. Um, God says, I am going to ask a lot of you in this moment. Like, I'm putting that all, all that out there. But I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there with you. And good things are to come. Um, you know, some say Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And I think those two things go hand in hand. I think we get so hung up sometimes on like thinking about what God is asking of us or what we are going to have to give up. And instead, we forget that when we are obedient to God, when we are following his calling and we're on that path with him, like he's going to take care of us. Like good things are going to come. And even the, the things that we feel like we are having to give up, perhaps God didn't want them in our life in the first place, right? So as we start to wrap up, um, I just want you guys to personalize the calling of Abraham in a way that makes you think of the calling placed on your own life. Um, so I have a couple discussion questions for you to talk about in your groups um, that I think might help you get the, get the juices flowing on this. Um, so what next step is God calling you towards? You know, it doesn't have to be a whole big picture. Um, just like, how do you feel God nudging you in this moment? Um, and then where in your life are you getting hung up or detoured away from this calling? 
Um, you know, maybe it's trying to plan too much, like take it into your own hand. Uh, maybe it's distractions, like whether kids' schedules or worldly things or whatever it is, um, you know, audiobooks or Netflix or whatever, because I know that's some of mine. <laughs> and then third, like what are some ways you can limit these distractions and return back to what he's called you to? You know, families, schedules, commitments, like these aren't bad things, but if they're pulling us too much away from where God is calling us, um, perhaps it's okay to like rethink things a little bit, you know, whether it's cutting back on all the extracurriculars or, you know, toning down your schedule, um, maybe it's holding off on that next big purchase. Um, in this season, if God is asking for your full attention, will you be okay with that? Will you be willing to give up some things for that? Um, and trust that he's going to provide everything you need. So as you think about these things, I just want to close uh, with a quote that I came across uh, from Tim Keller in his book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. He says, uh, you'll never be as happy as you can be. You'll never have the kind of joy that you were made for until you hear the call of God, that call, and embrace your mission to the point of personal loss. He goes on to say, how do we know that's true? It's true uh, because in John chapter 17, as Jesus was praying his prayer while he was going to the cross, he says, um, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I now send them. And a few verses later, it says, I am saying all this so that their joy may be complete, which means that being on mission to the point of personal loss is the actual key to being content in this life. Um, and that, that may be hard for some of us to swallow, but like, let's, let's, let's pray about that. Like, let's meditate on that and see what God has in store for us. Um, and let's go out and live our life differently. Let's answer God's calling, not being afraid of what we might have to give up uh, or what he might be asking of us. The, the, you know, we don't have to have that whole big picture, but if we know that next step, we can, we can take these steps with him and he's going to be with us the whole way. Um, let's follow the Abrahamic call to be a blessing to the world around us. And I just pray, pray, uh, pray for you and, and encourage you guys to pray as well, just to ask God to make that real for you. Ask him if you're not sure, like, what is my next step, God? What are you calling me towards? You know, equip me to do that. Um, and then for the strength and perseverance, just to stay on the road and to, to not be so distracted by the things around us, to not be so tempted to step off of that road with him. Um, so that's my prayer for you today and, and all I have. So everybody, if you just clear your tables off and head to your rooms and have your time together.